hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. We are right in the middle of what the cruise industry calls wave season. It's when the cruise lines and travel agents historically book the largest number of cruise cabins. Think of it as a wave of cruise bookings, kind of like Black Friday or Cyber Monday, but it lasts for three months. So it's all about cruising this week. First, travel expert and regular guest to the show, Onanta Forbes, will join us in a few moments to chat about five reasons why you should join us on our cruise to Alaska at the end of May, sailing on board the Celebrity Eclipse. It is going to be a fantastic trip. And if you're wondering just how safe it is to take a cruise during this time of COVID, we're going to talk with David Yeskel, who is known as the cruise guru He's taken three cruises in the last three months, so he'll share his experience going through all the safety regulations and protocols. And speaking of cruising to Alaska, later in the show we'll head to Juneau, Alaska, and learn about one of the more popular ports of call on an Alaskan cruise. But let's start things out first talking about cruising to Alaska with myself and travel expert Onanta Forbes. She joins us now to give us five reasons why joining us on the Celebrity Eclipse May 29th to Alaska would be such a fun experience. Hi, Onanta. Hey, Randy. There's all sorts of great reasons to come on our cruise to Alaska on board the Celebrity Eclipse, May 29th to June 5th. Uh, Not in any particular order, but I'll let you start. I think, you know, joining us, um, we've really looked at the best value for our guests to um, enjoy. So we have really attractive group rates that are a lot less than what you can find now looking on their website. And Celebrity has this great um, program called Always Included. So another um, way of, you know, saving money and giving good value for your travel budget, it includes your drinks, Wi-Fi, and tips. And we've arranged some get-togethers for um, our group to kind of get to know each other and then tell us stories about what you're doing on the cruise. Um, we have two cocktail parties um, on our days at sea. So the day after we embark and the day before we disembark. Mm-hmm. And both, yeah, you and I have been to Alaska, so we can share some um, experiences um, and, you know, what what we took away as memories that maybe our guests might want to, you know, look at when they um, are exploring Alaska as a destination. Mm-hmm. Well, again, it's very flexible. Like, we're not saying you have to come do this or uh, oh, no. this or whatever. You can do whatever short excursions you want. You can stay on the ship because the ship itself is another reason. Uh, the onboard entertainment, if you've been on a cruise, you know what we're talking about. Talking about. If you've been on a celebrity cruise, you really know what we're talking about. But really, the celebrity eclipse, the ship itself is amazing. And the onboard entertainment, all the things that you get to do, uh, makes the cruise that much more special. It does. So if you like um, uh, to enjoy the spa, you certainly can because they have great um, technicians on board that give you a like, luxurious treatment. And you can go to a fitness class if you want on board and, you know, look out at the ocean as you get your heart rate up. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, specific to the Alaska cruise, um, they have onboard natural, uh, naturalists mm-hmm. who will help you spot wildlife from the ship and teach you about the animals and nature that you see. 
And of course, cruising with celebrity, you'll definitely enjoy some pretty amazing culinary creations. Um, they have a Michelin star chef that uh, uses locally sourced ingredients. And as you say, you can spend your evening watching a live performance, or you can go sit cocktails in the World Bar, or just relax in your stateroom. It's, mm. it's pretty amazing. And speaking of staterooms, I would definitely recommend, um, you know, booking yourself in a veranda stateroom. Like, what a great way to start in, in your day, being on your balcony, and, you know, maybe seeing um, some, a whale breach or seeing some other kind of wildlife. Well, that's what I was going to say, too. When you're sailing on that inside passage, and it's really funny because sometimes the captain will come on board and say, hey, we've spotted some whales uh, starboard side or port side, and everyone goes and, and rushes to one side of the ship to see the whales or uh, whatever the wildlife might be. Uh, another reason, and this is uh, what I really like, too, really easy. Our first port of call is Vancouver. Like, who doesn't like Vancouver and, and spend a few days, too? If you want to, you can go there early. You can tour around Vancouver. Vancouver, or you can, you know, when we're the cruise is over, you can you can hang out in Vancouver for a couple of days. You could drive there if you want to. I know for Albertans, it's pretty easy to get to Vancouver, and it's the perfect city to start or end a journey to Alaska. You know, you're going to see great cityscapes, and they have um, like lots of green spaces and a diverse population. So you could um, go to Stanley Park and spend the afternoon walking or biking along the seawall, and you can visit um, Gastown. I really like Gastown. Mm -hmm. It's quite trendy. I love it. And I really like Dim Sum in Chinatown. So there's lots to, to do in that respect as far as art and culture. So you can, you can take that in before you go on the cruise or afterwards, like, you can take a short excursion that will take on a tour of Vancouver before you drop off at the airport. There's lots of things that you can entertain yourself and really, um, along with the cruise, have a really nice vacation with that visit. Well, and speaking of shore, shore excursions, that's uh, a big part of it. We are going to be talking with the uh, people from Juno later in the show, and that is one of our ports of calls. You can do lots of shore excursions there, as well as our, as well as our other ports of calls. It's a perfect way to discover any destination and gain some, you know, local knowledge um, as well as just enjoy the destination a little bit more um, in depth. So, and booking um, a ship-sponsored tour, like you can skip the hassle of arranging your own onshore activities. You know that um, Celebrity has vetted their tour provider to ensure that they're licensed and they're reputable, and the tour or the ship won't depart until all of its tour buses have returned, even the late ones. That's the most important part I was going to say <laughs> is the, when you book with the uh, shore excursions uh, through uh, Celebrity, they will make sure you get back to the ship on time, which is very important. Uh, I'm sure it's uh, on everyone's minds, though, when they're listening to us. Is it safe to cruise? Uh, we got uh, the cruise guru, uh, David Yesko, coming up uh, shortly to talk about some of that, too, because he has been on three cruises in the last three months. But uh, basically, and like I've said this time and time again, uh, you're safer on a cruise than you are uh, grocery shopping. That's right. And, you know, uh, the cruise industry is really taking this seriously. And 
Um, their crew is vaccinated. Their guests are vaccinated. There's close to 100% um, vaccination um, rate happening, as well as they have the testing available for you before you disembark the ship. So you're not scrambling to get that, uh, that PCR test that we need to come back on back to Canada. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, it, it far exceeds environments that people encounter at home during their everyday life. And further to this point, uh, we're not cruising until May, end of May. So this uh, might, a lot of this, uh, these protocols might be uh, gone by the wayside by then. And uh, also, uh, the cruise lines are very good with the refundable deposits, aren't they? They are. Again, they want to make sure that you enjoy your journey and they are recognizing what the CDC advisories are, as well as various countries. But they also want to know, like, want the, our guests to know that um, their safety is first. You can find out all the information on your website, onantaforbes.com. If you have questions, you can contact Onanta, and we hope to see you on the Celebrity Eclipse with us at the end of May. Thanks, Onanta. Thank you, Randy. Well, our theme this week is cruising, and whenever we talk about the cruise industry, our go-to guy is David Yeskel, otherwise known as the Cruise Guru. He's been on a number of cruises over the past few months and is always a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the cruise industry. You can follow him on Twitter, at Cruise Guru, and David is here now. Hi, David. Hey, Randy. Uh, you're a brave guy, David, uh, being on so many cruises on these, uh, floating Petri dishes <laughs> that we've been told about, but, uh, tell us about your recent experience, uh, being on a cruise these days. So, so I could tell you, so first of all, let, let's hit the topic of floating Petri dish. So, so that, that characterization, first of all, has really never been accurate uh, as it applies to cruise ships. You know, I think the, the cruise, cruise, cruise industry was unfairly tarnished based on some uh, norovirus incidents, you know, a few years mm-hmm. ago, some scattered incidents. But, but the, that characterization that's widely used in the media, floating petri dish, is certainly was never accurate and isn't now, especially with all the health and safety protocols. Uh, that have been implemented. So I can talk to you about some of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's run through some of the testing requirements, the protocols, and uh, what's, what goes on before you even get on the ship. Right. So I've been on three ships in the last three months, and I can tell you that all of them are, are, are doing a commendable job of instituting these protocols. So, so right now, you have to be fully vaccinated to get on any ship anywhere. And, and that does not include a booster for most lines yet, although that requirement is coming. Some smaller lines have just um, implemented the requirement for a booster. So fully vaccinated just means your standard course, and, and the lines are also requiring a negative COVID test either within 48 hours of embarkation, some even test right and at embarkation. So I was on an Oceana cruise a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and they tested everyone at just at the pier at embarkation. They had a big tent there. Uh, with about 25 testing stations, and everyone was tested before they got aboard. So, so with those, you know, with those procedures and policies in place, um, I think cruising is still a fairly safe uh, vacation activity. Certainly safer than hotels, resorts, uh, um, theme parks that don't require vaccination and don't require testing. 
Mm-hmm. Well, even the crew is uh, fully vaccinated it's as crew, well. Right, right. Yeah. So passengers and crew are fully vaccinated. When crew first come aboard, they're tested and quarantined for at least a week, just so that just in case they brought anything aboard, it doesn't spread. So, so the cruise lines are doing a very good job at at implementing these policies. Compliance, however, among guests is spotty in cases, and. And so, you know, the crew can't possibly achieve 100% enforcement of compliance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They can't follow everybody into an elevator and make sure they have their mask on. So, so that's where it, it falls down a little bit, I would say. But, but in general, compliance is pretty good, and, and enforcement is also pretty good. Now, as far as masking goes, is that just in the common areas? Uh, is it the same as here? You, once you're in a restaurant or the eating and, and you're sitting down, uh, obviously you can't eat with a mask on, but you know right, what I'm talking right, about. Right. Right. So, yeah, masking is generally in common indoor areas, uh, showrooms, elevators. When you walk into the buffet, say, and as you're taking your food, which is served to you, by the way, it's not really self-service anymore, and uh, they expect you to wear a mask, and most people do, and then until you sit down, of course, and start eating. Also, showrooms, other places where people gather and can't really socially distance, um, it's expected to wear a mask on board. Now, I've been on some, like on this Oceana sailing I was just on recently, um, guests did not wear masks aboard because everyone was tested before they came on. The ship was at 60% capacity only, and pretty much everybody felt secure about taking off their masks. But for the next cruise, after ours, they implemented a mask policy just because of the Omicron surge. So so things change, can change even from sailing to sailing on the same ship. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I was going to ask you about capacity. You kind of answered that. Uh, they are not at full capacity, so that helps too, even the spacing and the social distancing, oh, right? Oh, oh, definitely, and, and that's part of the requirements. So, so most ships are operating at, at a capacity, I'd say between 50 to 75 percent of guest occupancy. Um, and with an almost full crew complement. So basically, this is this is necessary, of course, as you mentioned, to achieve this social distancing, but also to give the crew the the ability to implement these, you know, enhanced safety and health protocols. So um, everybody's very careful. You need more crew, of course, to serve food in in the self service areas previously, like the buffet, and. Um, it it works well because these ships are you know that were previously sailing with maybe three thousand passengers now we're sailing with fifteen hundred mm-hmm. and it's nice to be aboard. There's plenty of space for everybody. People can can space out in the showroom, for instance, you know, and they can have several seats between all parties. So so that's been key and and that's been very successful and and guests aboard, of course, love it because there's more space for yeah. passengers and. And a better crew-to-passenger ratio. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly, right? What about the shore excursions and the ports of call themselves? And I know the, the cruise lines always held the right to change itineraries uh, if a port of call decides, hey, we don't want anybody coming in. Uh, how do they uh, handle the shore excursions? Right, so the shore excursion policy is really dictated by the individual port's regulations. So some ports require passengers to be on bubble shore excursions so that Everyone travels off the ship just in their bubble, you know, with a fully vaccinated and tested tour guide, doesn't mix with anyone else ashore, you know, doesn't, probably doesn't go into any indoor areas, and comes back to the ship, thereby keeping the bubble intact. On, in other ports, like several I've been to recently, passengers can, can do a shore X or go independently on their own. 
So it's really up to the port requirements um, and how strict the ships want to be, of course, with, with their onboard um, protocols. But, mm-hmm. but it's primarily up to the ports, and, and that can also change even on a day-to-day basis. Um, so, some lines may require you know, bubble shore excursions, and then a week later may open it up to just independent touring. So, so that can change, uh, and there have been some cancellations, which have, you know, of course, made, uh, made people very unhappy. Uh, uh, that cruise ship that some ports don't admit ships with with infected passengers aboard, and so some ships will have to skip those ports, uh, and that of course has has led to a lot of disruption in the industry, mm-hmm. and hence the cancellation of some voyages. Yeah, that's what I was uh, thinking. That uh, you know, when you get a cruise canceled, it's more uh, about the ports of call than it is actually about the cruise line, right? It is. It really is. So so right now, you know, this wave of cancellations we're seeing is really driven by the Omicron variant. So, you know, crew are getting infected, increasing numbers of crew are getting infected. They have to be isolated, and they can't be easily replaced, right, when the ship's already empty. Port regulations are changing for entry, so ships are are missing ports. And, you know, there's an increasing number of guests coming aboard with with infections. So so while while this is all still manageable from the cruise line's perspective, it certainly doesn't help in the PR effort, and and it's really made operating some ships impractical in certain markets, especially in the Caribbean, where they can't get into ports, and so making guests unhappy. So why would they operate ships, you know, in this environment? And so that's why some of these cruise lines have taken a pause for a month or maybe six weeks on some of their cruises. And I would think if you're not failing at, or sailing at full capacity, uh, then if uh, in the unlikely case that you, someone does test positive, there is space for them to quarantine until other uh, arrangements can be made, right? Oh, right. Absolutely. So I've seen on the ships I've been on all have isolation cabins. Um, some of the large mega ships, as many as 150 isolation cabins, with separate HVAC systems, so so the the, the air purification mm-hmm. is moving to other areas, and they're ready for this. The, the medical centers aboard every ship have been amped up. Um, there's additional lab capacity on board. They're testing for COVID on board. So they're ready, and they've been doing a very good job at mitigating any cases on board and mitigating the spread with these procedures and the isolation cabins, too. So so they can handle it. And the idea was that, that they weren't going to put a burden on shoreside medical facilities, like, like at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And and that's working. Um, it's just that the, the, uh, the increasing number of infections driven by Omicron are kind of making the whole business model impractical right now. We only have a few uh, seconds, but if, what happens if you test positive before you get on the ship? They don't just leave you stranded on the dock, do they? They're only you stranded, so they do help you with quarantine arrangements. Um, so they have arrangements with local hotels or, or centers where you can quarantine. And if you have travel insurance yeah. and can prove that you've been tested before you got on, uh, the cruise lines will fund the cost of that quarantine. Good answers. He is the cruise guru. That's why we uh, he's our go-to guy when it comes to all things cruising. David Yeskel, the cruise guru. You can find him on Twitter and follow all his cruises <laughs> at Cruise Guru. It's uh, always great to chat, David. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. Thanks for having me. One of the more popular ports of call on a cruise to Alaska is Juneau. There's lots of activities to enjoy and sights to see.
whether it's just for a day or for a few days. So joining us now to tell us more about Juno is Liz Perry. She is the president and CEO of Travel Juno. The website is traveljuno.com. Hi, Liz. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thank you. You know, I've been to Juno a number of times, uh, but it's been quite a while since I've been there now. But I... All that time, I don't really know much about uh, how Juno became what it is today, like a like a quick history lesson. Well, um, like a, you know, most places in uh, you know the Western Hemisphere, basically, uh, this uh, area was occupied by uh, our indigenous people, the uh, Akakwan and Takukwan, uh, for around eight to ten thousand years. Juno was originally one of their fish camps, and its uh, traditional name is. Uh, Zantikihini, which means the place where the flounder flow up to the up to the river, and in um, 1880, uh, gold was discovered, and Juno became an incorporated town uh, shortly thereafter, and was named the capital in 1906, and it remains the capital of the state of Alaska. And it's pretty unique, isn't it, as far as uh, other destinations in Alaska? It is. Uh, we are basically. Uh, water and mountain locked. Uh, the only way in and out of Juneau is by uh, flying in or uh, by water. Uh, there are no roads leading into Juneau at all. So everything uh, that you see on the store shelves, every car arrived here by ferry or barge or by plane. And you do get visitors in the wintertime, right? Like, uh, obviously, it's a popular place in the summer, but uh, there is uh, tourism in in the winter, right? There is. Uh, we have a city-owned ski area called Eagle Crest, and it is really kind of an, an unsung hero for the town, and it's a jewel. Uh, it has been in operation for oh, probably 100 years or more. Uh, the community absolutely loves it, but it's got some terrific runs. So people come up from the uh, Pacific Northwest and uh, really you know, kind of Western Canada to enjoy those runs. Um, there are really, you know, there's very few... Uh, relatively few people up there. The lines tend to be short, but you get the spectacular scenery and um, everything that skiers want is available at Eagle, Eagle Crest. Mm-hmm. And also in the wintertime, that's when our arts uh, really start to uh, open up. We have a local professional theater company at Perseverance Theater. We have a symphony, we have opera, um, and all manner of visual arts, lots of galleries, and we really enjoy our first Fridays around here to, to do gallery walks. Uh, when I was there, and it was with the cruise lines, right? And, and we're going to talk a little bit about the, the cruise industry uh, in, in a few seconds here. But you don't really venture uh, out near away from the touristy areas. How big is Juneau? Well, it has about 33,000 full-time residents, but geographically, it is one of the largest cities and boroughs in the United States, and it's certainly the the largest uh, capital by area. Uh, about I think that there's 3,300 square miles or so uh, of area. So we are about 45 to 50 miles or so north to south, and another 20 or 30, 20 or so miles east to west. Uh, and while you mentioned a few of the winter attractions, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that a lot of people, a lot of uh, businesses, they do look forward to the spring and to the cruise ships. How, how important is the cruise industry uh, for Juneau and the area? Uh, how important is it for your economy? 
it, it's very important. The visitor industry as a whole um, accounts for about 10% of our local economy. And in uh, some uh, locations in southeast Alaska, like Skagway, it's uh, like 95% of their local economy. So there is a huge impact when these ships were not able to come into Juneau. We were really happy to see a f- couple of ships come in kind of toward the end of the season this last year uh, that gave some of our operators and retailers some, some hope, uh, you know, to kind of get through the winter. Are you going to be welcoming the cruise ships <laughs> rolling out the red carpet for passengers this summer, hopefully? Well, we hope to. We uh, we like to welcome that first ship of the season and have have a little celebration around that. Um, we're still we, while we have our cruise schedule set out and it looks pretty full. We're still not sure how um, occupied those ships are actually going to be. What mm-hmm. what their total carrying capacity is going to be? Last year, uh, ships were running anywhere between uh, forty and eighty percent capacity, depending on on the ship and the day and, and so on. So we're still keeping our fingers crossed um, to see as as many ships as possible with the understanding that it's a moving target and the cruise lines are redeploying ships in some cases uh we'll just we'll just kind of welcome welcome who shows up <laughs> well and speaking of that now uh, there's a lot of things to do in juno so there's lots of shore excursions going on uh explain to some of the some of the uh attractions some of the sites some of the things people can do uh in juno if they're staying for a day or if they're coming for uh, longer well, we really love our outdoor activities. So we have more miles of hiking trail than we do paved road in Juneau. Um, so you could keep yourself occupied for several days just taking the uh, hiking and biking trails. There are uh, kayak rentals. You can rent a bicycle, uh, get it, you know, go almost all the way through through the sea level uh, part of the borough anyway, uh, camping, fishing, whale watching. Um, we recommend folks uh, make a trip out to the Mendenhall Glacier. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about a 20-minute trip from the downtown area, and um, you can scout around the Mendenhall va- uh, Glacier visitor area. Uh, there's hiking around there as well. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, uh, of course, we're surrounded by mountains. We are in a fjord, and the Mount Gold Belt Mount Roberts Tramway goes straight up from sea level up about 1,800 feet, um, and at the top of uh, that uh, tramway is the Mountain House. This is all operated by our local Alaska Native Corporation, Gold Belt Incorporated. Uh, a lot of Alaska Native artists work up there during the summertime. There's a restaurant and additional access to hiking at the top of uh, the tram. I was going to ask you about the tram and uh, if it was still operating, because that was one of the uh, things that I enjoyed a lot. Because once you get up, there's some beautiful views from up there. It's gorgeous, even on a, on a cloudy day. And sometimes it's fun to get up above the cloud layer and, uh, you know, and hike on up and be, a, be above all of that. It's, it can be really stunning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> I like salmon. Uh, and if you're a seafood lover, uh, you got to try out some of the, the uh, local cuisine, right? Yes, absolutely. We uh, Most of our chefs really pride themselves on sourcing as locally as possible, and that includes all our seafood, um, our produce. We try to get that um, as close by as, they, as we can. We have a couple of chefs who also forage, so you can get all manner of you know local and regional 
fair here um, and get some high-quality food. We have two chefs in town who are James Beard Award nominees uh, with with separate uh, restaurants, so people can be guaranteed of getting some great food. You know, one of my favorite things to have is halibut and chips. Mm-hmm. And there are there are several restaurants that specialize in that. So um, again. Getting a good meal will be really, really easy, and we have a number of food trucks as well. Uh, that whole scene has really taken off in Juneau. We have an entire little food court uh, downtown kind of dedicated to uh, some food trucks and um, and local fare. Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, the halibut chips, I used to love that too. Tell me about Admiralty Island. I haven't really uh, known much about this. On Admiralty Island, uh, folks can go to Pack Creek, which is a bear reserve. It's been there approximately 35 years. There are uh, it's limited access, um, and we have a flight in one a day, uh, pretty exclusive. You go in by float plane and spend uh, three to four hours uh, walking amongst the bears with a guide. It's it is stunning scenery, and I have been within. Throwing throwing distance of uh, black I'm sorry brown bear sows and their cubs, um, it is just really beautiful. So there is camping um, over there. There are a couple of lodges on Admiralty, uh, and it's it's just another really beautiful uh, piece to add to your itinerary. Uh huh. And well, just getting back to the salmon too. If you wanted to, you can go and catch uh, on a catch your own fish, and and they can bring it back and, and cook it for you. Do they still do that? They do. Um, the charters here, uh, if you get out and, and go fishing, whether it's for halibut or salmon, and there are some charters that offer both in one day, they can arrange to have your catch uh, processed and shipped right back or shipped wherever you want it sent. Cool. Lots of things to see and do. It's one of the, uh, one of the great stops if you're on a cruise to Alaska. Uh, Juno, you can find out lots of information. Juno, TravelJuno.com is the website, and Liz Perry is the president and CEO of Travel Juno. Thanks for your time, Liz. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website, theinformedtraveler.org. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know, leave a review, tell a friend, or you can drop me a line. My email is randy at theinformedtraveler.org. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler or follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.